Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Justice League vs. The Fatal Five. Justice League vs. The Fatal Five is the latest animated DC Universe movie, making it the 34th in the DC Universe animated original movie series. It's available on digital HD, DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, all of that. So if you haven't watched Justice League vs. The Fatal Five yet, but you want to go watch it first before listening to our full review, we will be talking spoilers. Directed by Sam Liu from a story by Eric Carcasso, this movie serves as a continuation from the animated series Justice League Unlimited and the other DC-related animated materials set within that universe. Sporting the same animation style from the Bruce Timm days, Justice League vs. The Fatal Five features Kevin Conroy, Susan Eisenberg and George Newbern reprising their roles as Batman, Wonder Woman and Superman. Jason, you have the plot. The fate of the Earth hangs in the balance when the Justice League faces the Fatal Five. A time-travelling trio made up of Mano, uh, the Persuader and Tharok terrorises Metropolis in search of a budding Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz. With her unwilling help, they aim to free the remaining Fatal Five members, Emerald Empress and Validus, to carry out their sinister plan. But the Justice League has also discovered an ally from another time in the peculiar Starboy. Let's start with the style. Mention the Bruce Timm style there. I love it. I love it. And there was some speculation going in that although it looked like the old Justice League animation of course, started with Batman the Animated Series in 92, but it was going to very much be its own thing. Oh, okay. This is a continuation. Yeah. You even get, like, when you first see Superman as being heroic, you get a riff from the Superman the Animated Series theme, which I loved, and then when you see all the Justice League standing there t- together, it's that guitar theme, the Justice all League theme. All those elements are there, right. So it is canon. Cool. So, yeah, I haven't watched all of, like, Unlimited and, you know, the Justice League animated series that came before that so i didn't know where we were in time if it was just sort of slotted in if it was in there at all but from your confirmation yes it's 100 percent set in that world now whether it is set during or after i'm not quite sure cool. i mean they do go out their way to mention that john stewart green lantern is off world and that's why we're getting jessica cruz here because they do try and you know explain it bruce tim voices two-face he didn't do that in Batman Animated Series, but he does it here, and he nails it. I mean, it's just a little cameo role, and it's... But he's in it for a little fun. bit. It's, it's a little it's fun, A yeah. little back and forth with Starboy, yeah. where he's found, he's put in Arkham Asylum, I think he's crazy. They don't know he's got powers at the time. Like, he's being a bit of a douche to him, but then he kind of apologises, you know, two-face. Starboy as a character is interesting, and a character I have read part of Legion of Superheroes in the comics, and Jeff Johns used him in either Justice League or Justice Society in the comics. I can't remember where he used him. I think it might have been JSA. But he was a strong character there, and what was happening to him in the comics is what we're seeing here, where in the future, because he's bipolar, isn't he? Is that what they're going with? It's it's something like, you know... There they is just a... say mental health. It's very it's very broad. Yeah, but, but he's, he's expressing a lot of... Whether it be like a type of autism, anxiety, maybe bipolar symptoms sort of thrown in there, there's something. So, but they don't they don't label it. Yeah, so I think by just saying mental illness and there's there's maybe aspects of, of different illnesses, but in the future, the thirty first century, there's medicine. So therefore it can go about everyday life. You wouldn't know they had mental illness. And the other new character I've mentioned already, Jessica Cruz, 
Green Lantern. Her origin in this lifted straight from the comics. And it does happen where they will introduce a new character with a power or costume we're familiar with. But for some reason, like in the comics, Jessica Cruz is just one that's stuck and has worked. And me personally, really like her as a character. So it's great seeing her in this movie. It's a good thing, at least with the with the, the Green Lantern characters, is that you can interchange them quite easily, actually, and they just give a new character their powers, you know, without belittling the characters that were before. But it's just, it's such a transferable thing, and so many characters can have that power as well, you know, with the ring and all that. And on the Justice League roster, they always have a Green Lantern. And it was great when we saw that scene in the future. We did get to see Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner. Because in the... In the Justice League animated series, it was John Stewart. We didn't get Hal Jordan. And when they first showed Green Lantern in Superman the Animated Series, it was Kyle Rayner. But John Stewart was definitely the right choice for that animated series. And that's why a lot of people growing up watching that series, John Stewart was Green Lantern. And then when the Ryan Reynolds movie came out, it wasn't John Stewart. So I think that did put a lot of people off. Although <laughs> for me, I grew up reading Kyle Rayner so in the 90s. Yeah. But I do like... Hal Jordan as the classic Lantern but Jessica Cruz is a great character and you know she has her own thing going on she's got like she she suffers with high anxiety like yeah. something happened to her when she was younger and again just like the comic she was out camping with her friends they were all killed she was the only survivor and she's carried that that guilt and that crippling fear and being chosen as a Green Lantern it doesn't mean a Green Lantern doesn't feel fear the whole thing is that they have the ability to overcome fear. And she really does do that in this movie. The action in this movie is just absolutely incredible. And we will get to it. <laughs> but first, I think, let's talk about the Fatal Five. Yeah, yeah. When this movie was first announced, Justice League versus the Fatal Five, clunky title. I don't really care about the Fatal Five. That was my thought going in. Watching this movie has turned me around. I didn't grow up reading a lot of Legion of Superhero comics. There's some that I have read, like the Dark Side Saga, but not a lot. The characters first appeared in Adventure Comics issue 352 in 1967, of course, as the enemies of the Legion of Superheroes. With the Fatal Five, we have Thorok, voiced by Peter Jessup. He is a cyborg and technology expert. And I like that about the team, how they all have a purpose. Yeah, all these like, different elements and yeah contributions. We've got Mano, voiced by Philip Anthony Rodriguez. His right hand can destroy and erode whatever it touches. The scene, now I've watched this movie twice. The <laughs> yeah. scene where he is hurled through the air and he accidentally touches the Empress on her face and she screams and we never see the Empress again. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> that's and, permanent and them to a you know they've got like a relationship going on they do so, yeah, but yeah, it's, like, it's almost like he, more like he dotes on her than they're actually in sure, a relationship yeah but it's kind of funny to think afterwards like either she's dead and gone or he's in a lot of trouble <laughs> that's, that scene where Mano is fighting and honestly the action in this but that scene where Mano is fighting Batman and Batman's hitting his pressure points <laughs> And he's like, you know, you may not be human, but you fall like a man or something like yeah. that. That was cool because, you know, he's Batman. That was a really good scene. Uh, we have the Persuader, voiced by Matthew Yang King. 
He is the wielder of an axe that has been sharpened to an atom in sharpness. Oh, very sharp. When he destroys, or when you, you think that he has destroyed Jessica's ring, and he cuts it so finely and it breaks into pieces, love that. You know what I got? I'm going to be a bit all over the place. <laughs> yeah. What I got with Jessica Cruz's Green Lantern, it reminded me of Superman in Justice League. You know how the League are trying to do their thing and all fight the bad guy, but they're all getting taken down and they can't, and it's like, you know, united together. Yeah. And then Justice League, Superman comes in and single-handedly defeats Steppenwolf. It's like, we could have just used and him for in the this, start. In this movie, yeah. like Jessica Cruz proves herself to be potentially the most powerful I Green Lantern. She essentially takes them all down. It's like Marvel, Captain she? Marvel. She goes supernova. Yeah. I loved it, but I'm like, wow, they could have used her. Yeah, <laughs> you're definitely not wrong. But that was cool. I, I, I liked everything about that. Emerald Empress, voiced by Summerlee Montano. She is the leader. Without her eye, she is powerless. Yeah, she was a big, giant eyeball thing. This is the thing. Like, I didn't think it so much the first time, but the second time, I seem to recall something from the comics where, yes, she's getting the power from that eye, but that eye is almost is also its own thing, and he's using her just as much as she's using it. Yeah. So it's almost like it is a, like a power ring, like a Green Lantern. Yeah. But yeah, but she is like, you know, super powerful. And until Jessica came. Oh, she's definitely running right the show. Like, yeah, like she's, yeah. And Validus, probably the, you know, the biggest grotesque member. He's got the big brain. He's shooting laser beams. And he's at times going toe-to-toe with Superman in this, which mm. I thought was um, was pretty cool. No voice acting, right? Because he doesn't really say anything. Well, he's just grumbling and yeah. everything else. But the other characters, so we, we mentioned we've got Kevin Conroy as Batman, Susie, Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, George Newbern as Superman, and then new characters, Miss Martian, voiced by Daniela Bobadilla, and Mr. Terrific, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. Miss Martian, her second time in animation, first one, or first time, sorry, was in Young Justice, but of course this is separate to that. And Mr. Terrific was a member of the Justice League in Justice League Unlimited, but he just got left in the watchtower, just yeah, being like, the recon guy. This was like my first exposure to Mr. Trick. I was like, like who is that? At first I thought he was like a de-cyborg cyborg. Now, Mr. Terrific, like, he, he has been in numerous seasons of Arrow. Oh, well, that explains that. <laughs> like the later ones, I'm guessing. Yeah, some of the later ones, but yeah. in that, he isn't this. Oh, so we okay. got him, and he had the T-spheres, he had the costume, yeah. but in Arrow, he was never Mr. Terrific. Now here, he is a powerful character, and yeah, coming to part, yeah. Superman's aid. But again, the, the makers of this, they wanted to let the character shine, something they never let him do in the animated series. I think as an overall, uh, I guess these lesser-known characters, or potentially new characters to you know someone like me who not exposed them before, yeah, like they really do shine the light on them. And they're not relying that much on Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. They're sort of they're there, they're playing their their roles, but yeah, they really give the the time and these moments to these other secondary characters or would be secondary characters. But if you think because they're basing it or continuing on from the world established across four seasons, they can shine the spotlight on new yeah. characters. Like I know he's a legionnaire, but focusing on Starboy. Green Lantern, Jessica Cruz, and Miss Martian. And Miss Martian is great in this. And, you know, the, the joke with Batman, how he's got issues with the fact that she's a teenager and she becomes Robin. And yeah. it's like his whole thing. And then when they're in the future or they're getting the projection of the future and they find out that all the Legionnaires 
are teenagers and she goes to Batman this is like your worst nightmare <laughs> yes, it is. there is a lot of humour in this like, and with the you know the original Trinity when you've got Superman and his abdomen is cut by Persuader's axe and then Batman comes in and they're having like a debrief about the mission and then Superman goes I'm okay thanks for asking he's just great because like we not only know these characters we know this version these versions of the characters and it, and it goes goes a long way and it was great when they're in the future and they're looking at so this is the legionnaires and you don't get the legion of superheroes without the justice league and it's got batman just looking at like the big stone version of yeah. himself like a big statue like, and he's like looks nothing like me yeah that's not me <laughs> brilliant <laughs> but time travel like we've not really had the legion of superheroes that much in i think it's the first time in these movies like they have appeared in the animated series for two seasons, they had their own series, which was not connected to anything else. But in these movies, and you mentioned at the beginning, like how many are we in? Like 30, So many. And there's there's so much rich tapestry for storytelling with DC and to see the Legionnaires, it's pretty cool. Would you like to see more of this world? Like, so we, we got to see the four seasons and then they recently did kind of a continuation with Batman and Harley Quinn. Mm. Yeah, was that that wasn't so much a continuation as it was. I mean, it was it was set in that world it with had the that cast art style. And, and yeah, yeah and the it that, was. It was. Yeah. I mean, we did a review. I should remember all all these details. But I mean, this is a PG thirteen, and that was the first PG thirteen movie, Batman and Harley Quinn, I believe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it did push a few down. I mean, actually, yeah, on the on the on the tone, the tone and the rating, I guess, of this, you know, like the art style lends itself to you know give the feel of like that that Saturday morning cartoon, you know, where it it is just safe for the kids to watch and all that. There's a couple moments where you know there's a bit of blood, you know, like with Superman, like just to to show that he is actually being physically hurt. So there's some blood splatter and stuff. That's probably the extent of. The violence in this. No, it's it, not. Isn't it? <laughs> no, no, no. Did I I again, I watched it for a second time today yeah. and I had to turn it off because my six year old came into the room. Oh, and true. I thought, oh, this is okay until it wasn't. I guess uh, me watching it by myself, like I'm just. So, um, yeah, the first time. I'm missing a. I did watch on my own. Yeah. And I didn't really pick up on it as okay, much. Okay, so there's a lot but, more. I but the second time, you're talking about, yes, the Superman, he does get cut by the Persuader and there's blood. That's some You wouldn't necessarily would have. You wouldn't have seen blood like that in the animated series. Yeah. It's mainly the Empress, and she's using the eye. When the in the third act, and there's the military oh, facing them off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like it's very it's like rapid fire. She's like one after another, just killing people. <laughs> like she's like just spiking them through the chest, and um, then they've got a puddle of blood on the chest. Yes, down that's there. a good point. Yeah, I reckon she must have killed between ten and fifteen people. I'm good for that. <laughs> Which for a DC animated movie or TV that's show, that's a lot of death. That is high. Yeah, I'm assuming Killer Wog's okay, but he also got stabbed <laughs> through the chest. I'd like to think he was okay. But if they were going to tell this story further, would you want to focus on Jessica Cruz Green Lantern? Would you want to do something where similar to this? You've got the core Justice League. And they're adding someone else to the ranks. Like, yeah, just to, to just to give them a new a new story. I mean, maybe they can do both. Maybe they can take the direction of you know you've got your your Justice League characters, and then and suddenly someone else comes along, and there's an issue, and there's a conflict, and they've got to you know deal with that, and they move on that way. 
But then also, you know, like this movie establishes this Jessica Cruz character. I think they can then take her if they wanted to, you know, put her in space. They could put her in a potential, like a potentially a Green Lantern movie, Green Lantern Corps. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Take her off Earth. The Justice League is still there doing their thing. You could do both. And in this movie, it's established in the 31st century, the Green Lanterns are long gone. Why? What's happened? Is that knowledge There's, that Jessica Cruz can use in the present yeah, to change the future? It's definitely setting up these questions that it's like, oh, are we going to get an answer? Do we this want movie, like, yeah, I, do. I loved. Like, I thought it was yeah. so good. It just, it's so layered. The cast is is fantastic. But at first you could take it as a throwaway line when they're like, oh, you know, the Green Lantern's in the future. They're not around anymore. But then we talked about yeah, like, time are they, travel. Are they just saying that to... You know, just but the saying that why are they not here just to remove the they're planting the seed that's why you've got the emerald empress in the present day she's under the uh, she's been captured or detained by the green lantern corps they're not around in the future mm. if without that element you've got no time travel because it would have just been a 31st century movie i do like time travel yeah and they, and they <laughs> did it they did it really well in here and you know we keep talking about uh, Jessica Cruz and we should probably credit the actress we have Diane Guerrero I'm familiar with her because of Doom Patrol oh so she's the in the DC I, TV series I she plays like to keep it all in house, she plays Crazy Jane and she does a lot of good things in that show and mm-hmm. she's doing a lot of good things here I thought she was brilliant we should obviously credit um, Starboy's or or Thomas Keller the human character version of him um, Elias Gable is there anyone else we should probably credit? But um, I, mean, I think we've mentioned the other the other voice actors. We have, haven't we? we? Yeah, kind we've... of glazed over them. The Fatal Five are in the title, so we <laughs> individually, I guess, credited all those. But with uh, with Gable, what he's bringing to Starboy, it's very much like a bit of a bit of a wise guy. You know, I'm getting like a Brooklyn accent from him. Yeah, yeah. But it works. But they're doing. I mean, they obviously are doing a bit more weird thing. You know, whilst addressing those sort of you know, mental issues and stuff, which I think, you know, I could be wrong, but potentially could be one of the first times they've really done this on screen in a film. You know, maybe they've had characters like that within the comics. I mean, you could argue The Tick. Sure. He's got his own things going on. (laughs) But that is a comedy or a satire, I guess. Um, But I think mainstream, I think you're right. Yeah, like, I mean, it's a superhero with, you know, like mental... I don't want to say disabilities, but, you know, mental issues, mental sort of restrictions. I think that opens the door to, you know, conversation, something cool, going forward. But that's the thing, isn't it? Like, all superheroes, you know, they put on the costumes and and they're inspiring and everything else, but you take away the costumes and they're real people with real issues. Yeah. And it's always been that way, whether we're talking, you know, Clark Kent, Peter Parker, they've always got things in their personal lives that they have to struggle and, and battle with. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them have other things going for him. You know, like Superman is an alien, so he has all these superpowers. Bruce Wayne's a, a but that's when billionaire, he's got, so yeah, he's got but that's these. when he, you know, Superman when he's got the costume. But when he's not Superman, he's Clark Kent, and yeah, he's yeah. living a day to day life. He's working at a Daily Planet. He's like he's viewed as being this mild mannered reporter. He's he's bumbling. You know, like people look past him. The characters work, even though <laughs> the new characters, but they do fit that superhero type. Rating then, what did you think overall to this movie? Um, yeah, like with the animation, like fantastic. Like I said, it it does lend itself to appear like a Saturday morning cartoon, but there's so much more going on with the performances, what the characters are putting on screen. Um, you know, like 
the action scenes and stuff. There's, there's a, it's like a next level. It's a, it's above a Saturday morning cartoon. There is something more. Um, a great callback to you know obviously those animated series from the nineties. A, a perfect sort of uh, homage, I guess, to them. An honor, whatever you want to say. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this thoroughly. You know, like it didn't it? Well, it didn't blow my mind. I wasn't overly like in love with it. I'm happy to give it uh, three, four, four. I'll land on a four out of five. That's a strong score. I would recommend that you watch it again. Okay. Because yeah. I did watch it and enjoy it. And it was probably around a three point five, if I'm honest. Yep. And then at a minimum, it's a four for me on that second viewing. And it's the you mentioned the you know the animation style that I did read. Originally, it was going. Bruce Tim wanted to use the animation style from Crisis on Two Earths and Justice League Doomed. It was somebody else working on the movie that suggested his classic style, and I'm so glad they went for the classic style. The animation in this, I'd say, it's the best the Bruce Tim style has ever looked. One issue I have though, Batman's ears too tall. <laughs> Seriously, they're take too tall. Take a point off. Just they're take a tall. whole point off. But no, they can still have the four out of five. And it's the the action is just beautiful. The the voice cast and the characters. And again, like when they announced the Fatal Five, I had zero interest. The characters I'm not too familiar with, but they were a genuine threat on screen. Like when they were going toe-to-toe with the Justice League, you believed that the Justice League were in trouble. I absolutely loved this. I picked up the Blu-ray. Looking forward to watching it a third time and getting stuck into those special features that DC always do on these um, Blu-ray releases. And a bit of trivia. So you kind of touched on it already when, you know, how this is connected to the DCAU, but I've been a bit more specific. The Fatal Five previously appeared in the DCAU battling the Legion of Superheroes and Justice League in Far From Home. That was back in 2006. The Legion of Superheroes first appeared in the DCAU and animation overall in New Kids in Town in 1998. Oh. So they have been around. They've been around, yeah. But a little bit. Like, yeah. there's never been a lot. Outside, well, I'll say there's never been a lot of the Legion of Superheroes. They had their own TV series <laughs> for two seasons. But honestly, I think there's a lot of people out there that either didn't know it existed or just haven't seen it. It's more exposure right here. That's it for our review of Justice League vs. The Fatal Five. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Films Your Podcast. And we also have our sister shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from That Films Stew. See you soon. Make me burp in about five minutes mid sentence. <laughs> you still watching Simpsons? Conan Double, yeah.